sexually funny, maybe that's maybe that's what's contributing to the deadly dad stereotypes. Because you know the thing is, they they say they try to make it seem like black families don't exist as one unit. Um, and when yeah. I say one unit, I mean like with two parents and the kids, like a traditional family unit. Yeah. Uh, they make it seem like dad just walk off and leave. Um, because historically, black men who do leave their families do that. So. But now, though, like, I guess, like, everybody's trying to reverse, you know, break, like, past chains. So instead of, you know, being a hands-off parent or being a parent from afar and starting, like, a new life, um, black dads are a lot more involved, um, or at least the narrative is going towards that. And I just, (laughs) as far as white people are concerned, I guess they... To them, it doesn't occur to do that. Like, it doesn't occur to them to do that, to just walk off and be uh, a deadbeat dad or a hands-on dad. It's just like, well, I fucked up. I want to start over. And also, too, like, I'm sure, like, you know, money, we've seen with white people, like, one of their biggest fears is being broke. Like, when the Depression came, the niggas was killing themselves. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know, like, but being a widower puts you in a position where everybody feels sorry for you and you get the insurance money and you literally get to start over. So I'm sure that that's, I'm sure that that was his train of thought. Never thought about, well, what if I get caught or, because I mean, at the end of the day, everybody's going to look at you as a spouse. Um, yeah. I don't know. I can't, I can't relate. <laughs> I, like I would never well, have part, to like, like my mind. Part of their issue, they did, they had been together for eight years. They did have financial debt, and they filed for bankruptcy. But when she went from working at a little call center to working for this Lavelle company, they started to, you know, get better at their finances. So they were broke at one point, and they probably were still kind of broke. She just made more money than him at some point. But that was never brought up to be an issue because even together they still made over $100,000 a year once she, you know, got her a better job. Before that, they were making under ninety. But they still lived in, they wanted that suburban life and all that stuff, and then their mortgage was almost $3,000 a month. And if you go back, and I'm going to drop a video in our group chat, and, like, this particular video literally lays the case out to a T, everything from the text messages that were shared between them and everything. My thing is, if you're tired, just let it go. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, once I was at my dumb point with my marriage, I knew when it was time to just walk away. Now, had I kept trying like an idiot, if he would have killed me to get rid of me, who knows? Because he was out here cheating. He was doing the exact same thing that, you know, Watts was doing or whatever, Chris Watts, whatever his name is. So I don't know. I just, what is so intriguing about a side chick to the point where you would want to kill what literally comes from you? He killed his two daughters and his unborn son. Forget the wife. You actually killed your, like, little people that carry your DNA for I don't even think it's about uh, the, the side chick being intriguing. I think he was just sick. I think he was just crazy. You know? He would have probably did the same as to her, you know? <laughs> I'm going to go with somebody else. absolutely nothing to bring you to taking the life of your kids, your wife is going to be ex-wife, whatever it is, because I, me personally, it's just you just you're just a weak-minded individual because uh, my I, I can always admit that like myself and my wife we were not in a great place a few years ago, but it takes two people to want to actually work on their marriage to stay together. 
And if, if it doesn't work, then you go about the means of, of, of getting a divorce. But your, your, your mind is weak. And if your mind is weak, then you'll, you, you'll succumb to anything. So his mind was completely weak. And he, he succumbed to something that was crazy. Pure, just, just yeah. pure crazy. He deserved everything he got. I saw um, a comment on the YouTube video I'm going to drop to you guys where a girl said, I feel like that he did love his family at one point. I'm like, girl, no. He was exactly who he was going to be. It just took the right thing to trigger who he was for him yeah, to show. Yeah. He, he was a killer, okay? He is exactly who he was. It just took the right thing to show it. And I guess it was like since hmm? – This is Chris Plant, right? It's what? Is that his name? His name is Chris Plant. Chris Watts. Chris I, um, Watts. I'm not sure. I'll, yeah, I'll drop the whole video and um, our thing. But, yeah, it was, like, literally, like, I don't know. Like, for and then another thing that happened also during this time frame, you know, the police, they're piecing together across the board different things. And one of the things that the side chick was Googling was wedding dresses. Like, she spent three hours online Googling wedding dresses and stuff like that. So he was feeding her things, and he, and he had only known her for five weeks. He was hiding new pictures of her on his phone under this calculator app, like false calculator app and stuff like that. Yeah, he was I know that. Just, <laughs> I know that. Yeah. I know that app, actually. Never mind. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so he just, I mean, he was just doing everything possible to try to hide this. But the whole five weeks that he was dating this woman, his wife was back in North Carolina with her mom and dad and the rest of her family. So she wasn't even around. He actually went onto some site, like, right after, you know, they right after his wife and daughter, they went warm in their seats on the plane, He, you know, met this woman. So he didn't have the side chick. She didn't exist before the trip. But the moment he got the chance to find somebody else, the moment she left, probably within like a 24-hour period, and within a week they were seeing each other four or five times a week, you know. And then, then the side chick, um, they did an interview with her, and she was like, well, you know, that, that, that one famous line, he told me he was going to leave his wife. And that means what? It means nothing. So, yeah, it's, um, I guess it's one of those things where the, the side chick is always hopeful that it's going to come back around to her so she, don't, she doesn't feel like her time is wasted. But how do you decide after spending eight years with somebody and you meet someone for five, I've only known this bitch for five weeks, that you're actually going to take the life of everybody that you built a family with for a woman you've known for a little over 30 days? That's what killed me, like, dude. And, again, that was his trigger. He didn't give a shit about time frame. He took their lives to try to make this life with this woman, and it never even happened. The police knew from the jump that he was suspicious. suspicious. It didn't take them long at all to trace his trail back, which he was so sloppy with it. Trace his trail back. He actually worked for an oil company out in Colorado, and literally the, he, he went and dumped their bodies in the oil tank yeah. at his job in his work truck that had GPS on it. The truck belonged to the company. Like, are you that stupid? You yeah. could have taken your yeah, wife's yeah. car. Yeah. You can't take your yeah. wife's car. But, yeah, he was that stupid. And, and it, 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 a lot of smart dummies. Yeah. yeah. And, and he wasn't smart about it at all because when um, the police called him back, um, 
to be completely honest with you, and this is, I'm, I'm going to close it off here in just a second, but she had a really close friend. The wife, Shanann, had a really close friend, and the close friend was so worried about their well-being, and she had actually texted her like the night before, two nights before that, telling the friend, Chris doesn't want to be with me anymore. He came to North Carolina for a week of the vacation, and he wouldn't touch me. He wouldn't kiss me. He told me that he wanted to end the marriage, and I'm trying to look for counseling. So as the friend knows this, I think during the trip, the wife got sick. So she made an appointment for when she got back to Colorado to be seen that Monday or Tuesday. So when they get back and she doesn't call the friend, she doesn't text the friend, she doesn't show up to the doctor's appointment, everybody's now suspicious. It was like from the moment he got home after he dumped their bodies, everybody was on his ass. The best friend was like, "Uh uh-uh, that's not right. And Mm. everybody was on him. And then he had no choice but to confess. And the crazy part is he actually took a lot of detective tests, which he failed and still denied that he killed them up until the very end, saying he wanted his family back. Nigga, you know where they at. They're an oil tanker. That's your job. So it was just, uh, it was like watching like a psychopath just believe his own shit when you watch the whole case unfold. It was so, so messed up. Uh, I don't know. But that was my blur for the day, and I just, I don't know. That whole case just really irked me. It really just got on my nerves on top of that. As bad as they want to stereotype our black man for not doing right, I'm sorry. If you kill your kids rather than walking the hell away from them, you're doing a lot more harm. Even though they're not here to, of course, feel that harm, you're doing a lot more harm to everybody else in the family, grandparents, aunts, uncles, little cousins, everybody else, than the man who walks away. So. And, and you know what? I'm glad, I'm glad that you said that the whole thing about, you know, about black men traditionally not being with their families is a stereotype because yeah. it is because the CDC ran a, uh, they ran a numbers and they found out that black, uh, that black men, uh, that that whole thing about, well, you know, black men leave their family is a myth. It's just something that racists use to, uh, to try and make a point or to try to steer something away when their people do something ridiculous. But the CDC yeah. ran the numbers and they were just like, well, there's no truth to this. You know, it is exactly. indeed. None at all. It is indeed a stereotype. And they, there was even a, a statistic that I read not too long ago, like maybe like six months ago, that 65% of families have mom and dad in the black community, whether they're married or not. 65%. Mm-hmm. That's a big damn number for it to, them to make it seem like all of our dads just walk the hell away. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm like, no. And even if it's a co-parenting situation, the dad is still active. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and then the crazy part, this generation is just just bad with parenting anyway. Women are walking away just as much as men. When are we going to switch that and show that there are a lot of single fathers out here, much more than it was a decade ago? So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just as many black, white, Hispanic, and whatever other women walking away. Take, take, take off the black man for a minute because he's actually sticking around. People just don't want to give him his credit. Right. Yeah. So. All right. So, uh, Odie, what you got for us today? All right, so this is our last podcast of the year, Fast Us 2018. Um, well, I just wanted to talk about some of the highlights and lowlights of 2018. Um, definitely want to start out with the highlights and see how, you, like, what you guys think as far as stacking it up. Um, I guess against like the backdrop of your whole year. And I would say highlights for 2018 are definitely um, definitely Black Panther. It seems like it came out so long ago, 
um, and we were waiting for it to come out, like, for a long time. Like, do you guys remember, well, how many times did everybody see Black Panther, first of all? I've seen I've watched it, like, three times. Three times? Yeah, Anybody three. more than three times? No, nah, I haven't seen them more than three. It was about three. No, wait, yep. I'm lying. I'm lying. Right. I'm lying. I wanted to see Black Panther every single day, so I've seen them like seven times. Yikes. Okay. <laughs> so um, that was definitely one of my highlights for 2018. Um, and the Black Panther effect afterwards, um, mm, I guess it, this will probably lead into one of the lowlights for 2019. Um, there are definitely some good outcomes from that. I noticed... Uh, writers and actors have been making more of a conscious effort to, and producers have been making more of a conscious effort to be more, like, aware of the different shades that we and we not see anymore when it comes to the natural hair. Um, I think in 2019, it'll lead into a low light just because with, when good things happen, there's always backlash. So we kind of saw that recently with the with that referee cutting off that kid's hair. So long. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think, and also, too, like, which kind of leads into the low lights for this year, too, are the whole Barbecue Becky and Permanent Patty and all of those people that made or tried to make life miserable for black people in this country. Those are definitely part of my low lights. Um, and just overall, like, lack of compassion people have. They're just like, well, yeah, that seven-year-old died in, in custody of the United States government, but her mama shouldn't have been trying to come to the country illegally. What? Yeah. Just seems, you know, like, we don't, as a society, we're definitely moving backwards on the scale of compassion for other people. Um, and that's, like, been almost makes me feel like I just don't like people. I can't stand people. Um... I don't know. What do you guys think as far as, like, some of the lowlights that have come out of 2018 that we could definitely leave behind? I think you covered a um, lot of them, but I, I will agree on the whole uh, compassion thing. Like, people, like, um, as much as I love to say that America is a racist country, I go back and forth because there are some times where people, like, for instance, racism is still bad for business. Like, you can't be a racist and then hold a job, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because people will fire you in a second because it's still bad for business. But, you know, I, I will say that, I mean, the total lack of compassion that people have for others, you know, and, and it's just coming out more and more that it's still not the rule, but it's a lot more than we thought. Like there are a lot more people out here who were just like, you know, just like you said, oh, that we had two children that died in custody. Ah, their mama shouldn't have brought them here in the first place. So it's not my problem. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's disturbing to say the least that people could be that callous about other people's lives. Oh yeah. Ka- Kavanaugh, prime example. Well, you shouldn't have been being fast. You shouldn't have been at the Playboy Mansion when you were 17. Where was your mama? Oh, boys will be boys. The other one will be pussy. No problem. Like this one was on TV this year and said that in front of her own daughter. It's like, I just I pray for people I don't know all the time, just because praying for them only helps their chances of encountering me. Because I like I don't know what I would say or how I would react if I ran into 
some of these people that really think like that and then feel bold enough to say things like that out loud. I, I, I have heard of the people like that and not, I mean, not in person, but like, uh, you know, like I said, because I, I have Bernie Sanders as my avatar when I play uh, Xbox, people will kind of like challenge me to political debates. And I'm like, look, I'm just here to shoot people in the head and overwatch. I don't really, I'm not here to talk politics. But when I see people like that, I automatically unfriend them. Like, I'm just like, we can't, I, I block them, I unfriend them. I'm like, I don't want to hear from you. If you really think that uh, children dying or children being put in cages is okay, just because you're afraid that Mexicans that who don't even know who you are are going to just sneak into the country and slit your throat in your sleep, that's just absolutely ridiculous, you know. And it, I, I just can't be around people like that. I definitely think um, the next generation of the ones that will be next up to vote who have problems with gun control, um, and, and pretty much everybody after, uh, what's her name, Ocasio Ortiz, um, yes. everybody after her might be okay because I really think the next generation of is going to be awesome. Like, we're not taking this shit no more kind of energy. Um, so I hope to see more of them protesting. I know this year they protested. They had, like, that march on Washington uh, protesting the gun laws. Um, and it will be interesting because, at the very least, we'll be able to expose the flaws in the system, which is going to have to happen before a lot of the flaws, you know, a lot of these things um, that she's doing are exposing corrupt politicians and the real ones. Yeah. I mean, to me, Ocasio-Cortez is a definite highlight because not just because she beat a 10-time incumbent, especially a 10-time incumbent that made her life miserable. I've gone over that in, in earlier shows. But, mm-hmm. just, but just the fact that Joe Crowley outspent her 10 to 1 and she still beat him because she basically she beat the streets. She went door to door, knocked on so many doors, she wore out her shoes and literally wore out her shoes just walking door to door talking to people, you know. Joe Crowley just talks to his, to his donors. So basically he just says, no, I can't have money, and then they just give him money. So he, Joe Crowley doesn't talk to anybody. People just know who Joe Crowley is because he was already their congressman. But when you have somebody who actually cares about you, right, talking to you, it's, it's inspiring, you know. Um, so, yeah, she's a, she's a definite, definite highlight. And it makes me hopeful for the future, that when Bernie Sanders' time comes, when he retires, not when he dies, let's, you know, let's not be so morbid. But, you know, when he decides, you know, I'm too old for this. You know, maybe mm-hmm. stop me to retire that there are going to be people who are going to take up that mantle and run with it. So it, it leaves me very hopeful for politics, because if it's not for people like Ocasio-Cortez, I wouldn't be very hopeful for politics, especially somebody who, who uh, talks about politics all the time. You know, it gets a little depressing. So at least there's something to look forward to. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. As far as the rationness in 2018, I'm loving, I just love black culture. Like, we are so funny when it comes to memes and trends. Like, the Bird Box ones have definitely had me cracking up. Um, I say keep the content black people coming in 2019 because it never gets old for me. Um, <laughs> I saw a video on Instagram where it was like, you know, some black kids that were in the Army and they had on their fatigues or whatever. 
and they started playing like music to, that's on drip or whatever, and then they took off their little do rag so you could see the waves, like right when they were talking about the waves in the song. Random shit like that at least <laughs> like makes me appreciate the internet that much more. So I'm not seeing bad news on my timeline all the time. Right. Um, but yeah, I just say keep that kind of content, keep that same energy in 2019. Uh, some of it is ratchet and very entertaining. I um, I'm sorry, Meat Mill had to go through all he went through this year, but I'm glad that it created some great music. I mean, the album is a classic, instant classic, and um, yeah, hopefully he'll just continue to keep backing up what he's saying he's going to do um, as far as the community as a whole. So. Just 2019, but uh, yeah. So you, you talking about, about Mills' album? Yeah. Oh, and let, let's see too. Uh, speaking of ratchetness, though, I, <laughs> I'll be. It'll be interesting to see if uh, Erica Mena and Safari actually get married in 2019, or if this will be her third or fourth engagement. I think she's been engaged like three or four times, but I don't think she's been married once. So, yeah, I still haven't been watching my Love and Hip Hop, but I did catch that, that bit of tea. Love and Hip Hop seems to produce married couples the most out of all the reality shows. So we'll see. So, all right. So, did okay, you have so any? highlights and lowlights of this year for me, to me, um, low light is always going to be the fact that out of all the bullshit that Trump is, has done, he still hasn't been impeached yet. Um, I was reading um, an article the other day, and it was like 50 impeachable acts that Trump has committed that he still hasn't, you know, been impeached yet. So just him being our president, that was actually like, I guess it, that would might more be like a low light of a four-year time span. The motherfucker's still in office. But we got to deal with him, so whatever. Um, highlight... Even for the instances that we didn't get to see, anything that was the total opposite of racism that I did get to see totally warmed my heart. So that would be the highlight for me. No one specific, but little things that you might have seen on the Internet that kind of, you know, broke some of the barriers between races was the highlight of the year for me. It was anything, um, um, whether it be cute little videos of black and white kids playing together, being the exact, you know, kind of like portrait of what we should be as adults and our government and everything else around us. Um, little things like that just made my, you know, warm my heart. My own kids and their little friends at school, you know, they don't understand the, the trials and tribulations of this world that come from just the color of their skin. And their little friends and then me making friends with some of the parents, it, it, it's just, that was just a highlight of anything that was the opposite of the negativity of skin color was my highlight for the year. In my opinion, so yeah. those are my opinions. And then to me, just straight, just acts of just random kindness. Like the video, I posted a video on Facebook where a guy was walking up to homeless people on the street and asking them what they needed. Like one guy was like, "I could use some." He asked for uh, long johns because it was cold. It was winter, and he asked for long johns. And the guy ordered them long johns, and Amazon delivered the long johns to the guy in the street. Like, they just gave him a description of the guy, and they were like, "Are you such and such?" And he was like, "Yeah, like, here you go." And just gave him a pack of long johns. You know, stuff like that, you know. It, That's amazing. I, and, and I didn't know Amazon would do that. <laughs> so I was like, that's dope, you know. I mean, if, if we wait for the government to help us, 
we we could be waiting for a long time. So I think some people just take it into their own hands and just say, hey, listen, you know, government's not helping with these with these problems. Let's let's see what we could do to give some people some joy, and and stuff like that. I I appreciate that very much. You know, I don't mind. You know, people are like, oh, we really gotta put on video because it inspires other people to do the same. That's why. You know, it's not like these guys are running for public office. They're doing it uh, the goodness of their hearts. You know. So, but I, but I agree. Yeah, like, any, like anything that's good news, I, I I post those videos all the time. You know, to offset yeah. all, all, all the sludge that I post about politics. <laughs> right. Even if I can't experience it hands on and see it right in front of my face, you know, I am the type that I like the videos. And, and I understand sometimes not putting a camera in certain light. But there are other instances where it's just necessary. Like, you don't have to do it every time you help somebody, but, you know, to know that this one person is the type that helps and helps a lot, to see this one video of this person being kind, you don't have to do it every time you help somebody, but it's nice to see it at least once, you know, that there are people that are willing to be nice to people. And I don't know, like I said, anything positive only took my 2018. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, what about you, Van? Oh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Mercedes, were you done? Oh, yeah, I'm done. Okay. Van, what, what did you have? What, what were your highlights and lowlights for 2018? I'm sorry, I'm having a conversation with Mark. Give me a second. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All good. Highlights and lowlights, man. Um... Actually, getting back on the cast with you guys was one of my highlights because I don't even know if I told any of you. I had a a, a, a shock, shocking moment when I seen a friend of mine get on Facebook and, and pour his heart out about some stuff that was going on. And I did a podcast. I did a a video about it. And I had to call him, have a conversation with him, and talk talk him off the ledge. Oh, we're losing you there, man. That was my highlight. My highlight was having a conversation with a friend of mine and talking him off the ledge because he was on the edge of a complete breakdown. Uh, low lights. I I have to like I, I have to go to, to agree with Mercedes. Like Trump just needs like the things that he's done is are all impeachable, <laughs> and he's still here. That is my my low. That's that's just a low point for me because he's just I, I, a top individual. It's a lot of people's. It's a lot of people's low light because, and I understand the impatience. It's been two years, but there's so much stuff. So I mean, this guy was a lifetime criminal. So it wasn't like he just. There was stuff that he did as he was president. There's a lot of stuff he was doing since before he was president, and just yeah. the fact that. Um, God, who was who was I listening to? Listening to somebody to, uh, today uh, on Young Turks, and they were in uh, I forgot where they were. They were on vacation someplace, and somebody just was, they were literally ragging on her, and they were like, "Oh, you got the guy who runs the Apprentice. He's your he's your president now." You know, and um, yeah, I mean, this guy was a lifelong criminal. So it's not a matter of, oh, you know, it's not like a, a television show where we can just get you in 
within an hour, <laughs> we can get all the evidence we need to put you in prison. It's going to take a while. And, that, and that's why I told, like when I was on that radio show a couple years back, and I told people Trump's going to finish out his first term, they thought that was crazy because they know, like, this guy's criminal. But you can't go after the president and miss because you're not going to get another chance. So you've got to make sure that when you gather all your information that it's ironclad, dipped in gold, like you can't miss. It's got to be a point-blank shot if we're going to get him out of office. And now that now, – and even though the Democrats are taking over the House – they're not going to get two-thirds of a vote. They're definitely not going to get it in the Senate because the Republicans run the Senate. You know, because you need two-thirds in both houses to impeach. And as, long, as long as they can get something from Donald Trump, like you had Lindsey Graham who hated Donald Trump, and then he found out he can get something from Trump, and now he's Trump's ass boy. You know, he, he's, his, he's his cabana boy now. You know, he carries water for Trump now. Because he figures I can get something from this. The country be damned, I can get something. So it's just a matter of patience. But I understand the impatience because every day this guy is in office, our country is sinking lower and lower. And eventually it's not going to be like, oh, my truck is in the swamp. We could just put a winch and pull it out. No, it's going to be like Atlantis. Like we're going to hit the bottom of the ocean and no one's going to hear from us again. So, yeah, that's a lot of people's low light for an excellent reason, because they're just like, why is this motherfucker still president when he's a lifelong Exactly. exactly. And, then, and every time I hear something about Trump, I, and, and, I, and I hate that I'm even like this, but I'm a very optimistic person, so mm-hmm. I always try to wait for some positivity. I'm like, I'm going to hear a good story about Donald Trump and his presidency tomorrow. I'm going to read one of his dumbass tweets, and it's going to make sense. I'm right. just trying to be optimistic because we are fucking stuck with him. I do not like him. I do not care for him. But every single time he fails me and probably the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. So I will say I pray that he doesn't get back in office for another um, term. So It all depends on the Democrats right now because the Democrats are talking about Beta O'Rourke. At, well, the, the, the centrist Democrats anyway. They love Beta O'Rourke now because he's not Bernie Sanders and because he knows how to, to raise money. But the deeper you look into Beta O'Rourke, the more it's like, oh, this guy is terrible. Like his voting record is disgusting when it comes to progressive values. What attracted me, him to me was that, like, what, the reason why I was into him is because, you know, he wasn't taking PAC money, you know, and he did have some progressive yeah, ideals. Yeah. But then you yeah. found out, like, like, for Medicare for All, he was like, yeah, Medicare for All. And then, then all of a sudden he was like, well, maybe not Medicare for All. Maybe we'll just fix Obamacare, like he, like he did a 180 on it, you know. Yeah. And that's and for Can't people like mind on the citizens. Yeah, it's basically like did you like you guys seen the, the original Ghostbusters, right? Where they're facing off against Gozer the Gozerian, and she asked him, "Are you a god?" And then Dan Aykroyd was like, "No." And then she's like, "Well, die!" It hits him with the lightning bolt, so what pushes him off the edge? And Ernie Hudson was like, "If someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes." You know, that's kind of like right now for progressives. If someone asks you, are you for Medicare for all? The answer is yes. It's a one word answer Uh, or a couple words. Yes, I'm for Medicare for all. That's all you got to say. There's nothing more to say. If you if someone asks you if you're for Medicare for all and your answer is seven or eight sentences, you're not for Medicare for all. That's just all there is to it. You're making excuses. 
with your opinion. Yeah, yeah, but not really everybody. Maybe 50 to 70, but, you know, let the 30-year-olds figure it out, you know? <laughs> you know, like, I, okay, so you're not <laughs> for all. Basically. You're just sort of. <laughs> so, yeah. I, was looking, I, was looking, I was looking into Medicare, and Medicare is, I mean, Medicare is kind of complicated. So it's not a simple fix like single payer is in other countries, right? So I'd rather go single payer than, than Medicare for all. But Medicare for all is infinitely better than the system that we have now. So, like, if you're you Medicaid in comparison mm-hmm. to Medicaid, is is better? Medicare. Yeah. Now, I, you know, the way I tell them apart is that Medicare, it's caring for the elderly. Medicaid is yeah. lending aid to working folks. That's how I tell them apart because yeah. I, oh, I used to always get them mixed up. <laughs> yeah. But um, for Medicare. If you've worked for 10 years or uh, paid into Medicare for what they call 40 quarters, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't pay a yearly deductible at all. You don't pay a deductible at all. Oh. Yeah, so when you turn 65 and you get Medicare, you don't pay deductibles. You may have to pay a copay depending on what it is, but a copay is like $10, $15. But you don't pay deductibles right. at all because you've already paid into it. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then for Medicaid Part B, uh, you may have to pay $130 a year in deductibles, and that's it. You know, I my deductible is like $7,000 a year that I have to pay before they'll start kicking in. So if I don't incur $7,000 worth of medical expenses in the year, I got to start over every year. Yeah, that's 1,500 for a family. Yeah, and that's and that's a lot for a healthy family. Yeah, and that's also with, um, and that's also including the fact that I pay premiums every month. So I pay almost two hundred and fifty, two hundred and sixty dollars a month in premiums, and I still have to pay uh, a six thousand dollar, seven thousand dollar copay every year before they'll even look at me. I mean, before it even starts to really kick in. The only benefit I have to have in insurance is some of my meds, my more expensive medications, are coming up as free now. Like my diabetes medication is, would be normally, without insurance, would be 400 bucks a month. But between coupons that I get from the manufacturer and the insurance, I get them for free, at least for now. You know. And the others will come up to like maybe like, like, my, like my Libre pads are like uh, $25 every month. No, I'm sorry, about 40 bucks a month with insurance. Yeah. But it's, you know, if you have expensive medications, you know, if you don't have good insurance, it, it's brutal. It's, there, are, there was a, a spate of people dying of diabetics who were dying because they couldn't afford the insulin. You know? I can see that. I, I was a farm pick from 2002 to 2007. Um, I worked at Eckert Pharmacy, which is now Rite Aid, and mm-hmm. the price on medication then was ridiculous to the point where, and, and you know, let's not even let, let's factor in those who have more, I guess, more expensive medications, cancer patients, AIDS and HIV patients, and stuff like that. You're talking about $2,000 bills for pills that may that are only 30 days supplies. Like, it might be a four or five different medications, but you're talking about $2,000. So if it was that back then, in the early 2000s, I can only imagine what medicine is like now. I'm, I'm healthy, so I don't, I'm not on anything, but I can only imagine what people are really paying. Yeah. 
it is absolutely brutal, you know. And there's one of the things that uh, in Obamacare that he didn't really have was price protections. And that's, uh, and that's a major thing in single-payer health care. In single-payer health care, there's price protections, and there's also they negotiate with drug companies for lower prices. So Medicare does that, which is why you get your, medic, you get your medicine cheaper on Medicare, because they're allowed to negotiate with drug companies for lower prices, which means buying the, you know, buying the stuff in bulk. No, I just thought about something, too, when you said that. I, um, I've, I remember having patients that had both Medicare and Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they would, like, you know, it would cover, Medicare would cover first because it was always considered primary, and then Medicaid would be the secondary. Yes. And it would pick up whatever cost Medicare did not cover. So right. I do remember that being something that some people, I guess the working elderly, were able to qualify for was for both. And so mm-hmm. then their copay would come out to zero because Medicaid had to take a lesser amount so they didn't have to pay as much once Medicare did everything else on the other side. Right. I do remember that, so, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and the fact that we have working elderly is ridiculous because you shouldn't be working if you're elderly, but for some people it's, it's a necessity, you know. Yeah. They got to yeah, work, right. you know, just to, uh, just to get by. Like my dad, uh, he had to work. Uh, and, and in the beginning, when you retired, you're just used to working, so you just want to work. And now my dad's like 70, 70s. I don't want to work anymore. <laughs> I think I've worked yeah. enough in my life. But, uh, you know, because he had a pension, you know, he'd been in, in, with the union for like almost 40 years. But um, his full Social Security hadn't started yet, you know. So he was just working off of his uh, just, just the pension, you know. So we had to work to make some ends meet until the Social Security fully kicked in. And then he didn't really have to work, you know. But Social Security is not really a whole heck of a lot. It's a steady paycheck, but it's not really a whole heck of a lot. It was this um, customer I had at work the other day. He had, I don't know what happened with Walmart, but I know he had been working at Walmart for like close to 30 years, if not. And um, when everything was said and done, his pension was like, I think he worked at the actual warehouse. I think his pension was like $1.2 million or something like that. It was, it was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, but to have to work for a company that long, $1.2 million is not a lot of money. It's just not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, $1.2 million will last you if you don't have an extravagant lifestyle. Like if, like if I won a million dollars right now, I can tell you right now, half a million dollars I would just spend on ridiculous nonsense. And the other half a million dollars I would just save. And then just and just supplement that money, you know, just live off that interest, you know, until I retire. Because you have to look yeah. at the long view of it. It's really a million dollars in the grand scheme of things. As far as uh, like if I if I win a million dollars, I can't quit my job on a million dollars. Nope. No, no, I'd be I'd be I'd be broke in three years less, you know. It's got to be if at anything, least. Anything is gonna make me hustle harder. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I can't, you know, it, it's, a, it's weird that in this country you can't quit your job if you win a million dollars. Like you've got to keep working even though you're officially a millionaire. Because, I mean, they're going to lop off, what, 30% off the top in taxes? Not to mention all the other ridiculous things that goes on. Well, back in the early 1900s, like when you do comparison with cost of living and money, $100,000 was like having a million or more today. So, yeah, it's a big difference now. We pay a lot more for things that really 
are worth a lot less. Yes. And exactly. um, yeah, so yeah, we we will never be able to quit on a million. In fact, a million dollars should be looked at more like a hundred thousand dollars at this point. If I want a million dollars today. I'm just going to sit on it. Me and my kids will continue to be millionaires because I have a lot of, I have my hands in a lot of stuff. And this year, my goal was to make $100,000. I didn't get there. I was close, not, not $90,000, but I was definitely close. But right. it's like that alone made me want to work even more, again, to hustle more to get to my goal next year. Right. So I, I, a million dollars would do something about like, I'm going to be a millionaire for the rest of my life. I don't care if I only have two million in my pocket by the time I leave here. You're going to work hard to keep that million intact. So. So, I, I look at it like this. It was uh, when I was, you know, writing for, the, for today's show, and, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, Bird Box, the, the movie, and I was uh, doing a little bit of research, and there was a, a director from back in the 40s named uh, Val Luton, L-U-T-E-N. You probably don't know his work. His, his, his work was like in the early 40s, he, you know, doing early horror movies. And um, I was reading up on him on Wikipedia because I didn't know a whole lot about him, him personally. Yeah. When he became the director of horror movies for RKL in like 41, 42, uh, they were paying him 250 bucks a week. And, wow. I, and I had to do the, uh, the comparison. 250 bucks a week is... $3,900 in today's money. So he's getting paid almost $4,000 a week. So that's what, $12,000 a year? So that's like $144. Uh, Today. No, it's $4,000 a month. Oh, say again? Oh, $250. Got you, got you. My bad. Yeah, they were paying $250 a week. Yeah. Put it like this. In 1931, uh, the two guys who created Superman, I mean, granted, they didn't know how big he was really going to be, but they sold the rights to Superman to DC Comics for 50 bucks. 50 bucks in 1931 is a lot of money, and they didn't know how big Superman was going to be. But they sold the rights to him for $50. Right. And so now you think about it now, I'm like, $50? For $50 back then was a lot of money. If I, if I go out to eat with my kids... I spent probably like a hundred. <laughs> <Right. laughs> like, oh, they were just every day. <laughs> they were just two kids at the time. I mean, they were young when they created Superman. So fifty, so fifty bucks was like wow. But they didn't know DC didn't even know how big it was going to be. You know. Wow. That's Nobody crazy. knew. And 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 a funny story about that. Well, not funny, but. Uh, one of the guys had passed away, and I think back in the 70s or 80s, they found out one of them was living in poverty in New York, and, DC, and they, they cut him a check. They were not legally obligated to because they sold the rights outright. Mm. But, you know, once they found out that one of them was still alive and living in poverty, I forgot, I don't know how much money they gave him, but they gave him money. Not to get him back on their feet. Yeah, because, I mean, Superman made DC Comics what it was. I mean, they would have still had Batman. But, I mean, when right. you think of DC Comics, the first thing you think of is Superman. So, I know we got way off track here. <laughs> we tend to do that, but you know what? But, but, but it, it's, still, it's still definitely good talk. So. Um, but, but, but my, uh, my, 
So I compared it to Allegory in the Cave. I think it's interesting. A lot of people got different things out of it. The memes are definitely entertaining, but as far as the movie itself, I compared it to Plato's Allegory in the Cave. Now, you know what? I, I don't know that allegory, so. So it's basically like the story goes, there's prisoners, and they've been like, the images that they've been chained up their entire lives. Only thing that they, only exposure they have to the outside world is through shadows that appear on the wall. So they can see, like, basically translucently, but they can see just shadows of people outside walking by, minding their business, going on about daily lives. So from their perspective, it just looks like shadows that they don't really, like, that they can't make sense of. They don't know that it's actual people on the other side because they don't even know what they look like. That's the idea. So one of the prisoners gets released, and on the other side, he sees, like, oh, shit, like, there's people, there's other people out here, and they're, like, you know, walking by or whatever. So he tries to go back to enlighten or tell his other prisoner friends, like, there's a whole world of other shit going on out here. Um, like, you should check it out, too. But, of course, because the prisoners, all they have is exposure to what they've been seeing. To them, their friend looks like a shadow on the wall, too. So, and they can't understand what he's saying. They just, it just sounds garbled to them. So, it's like once you cross over and you're enlightened, because everybody kept saying, like, oh, look, look, it's beautiful, it's beautiful. And so, they're trying to, quote, unquote, enlighten or educate their friends who haven't crossed over yet by looking. And so that's all the way. That's what I forgot of it. It was just like the allegory. And there's like a whole philosophical school of thought and about how I'm real people check that out. Other shit, I want but, to see it now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there are like the animated version, like so you don't have to read it or whatever. That are only a couple of minutes long. I'll send you the link to it. So now, Van, um, have, have have you seen it yet? Bird Box. No, I have not, and I don't think I will. Oh, you said you said you're probably not. Okay. Are you doing it just out of spite because you don't want you don't want to join the train? Nah, it's not even. Oh, Vanny, a lot of feedback on your phone. Not interested. I'll pass. No, okay. I I, I was that way too at first because I thought it was just going to be Sandra Bullock and two kids wandering through the forest with uh, blindfolds on the whole time. I'm like, oh, God, this looks boring. But then I started seeing, like, uh, people talking about it on mainly on Facebook. I I didn't read any reviews on it. I don't even know what a Rotten Tomato score is. But I saw a lot of people whose opinions I trust on Facebook saying that they liked it, you know, the spoiler-free versions, that is. So I just figured, you know what, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And it turned out I liked it a lot, you know. Um, the whole... I'll tell you what it is for me. Mm-hmm. I don't like when people make a big hype out of stuff, just like with Black Panther. When people make a hype out of it and I see it and I feel differently about it, I like to wait for some of the hype to die down. So I kept standing on my timeline. I just I was like, I just want all these people to stop talking about it. So I go watch it. I don't want to formulate an opinion based on their bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Because there was a lot of people, oh, I love it. A lot of people, I hate it. I did the same thing with Black Panther. When I said I've seen Black Panther four or five times, um, 
I waited for it to come out on Blu-ray. <laughs> and my kids watch it like every other day. So I didn't go see it at the movies. But, um, yeah, so, no, yeah, I just waited. And this is actually a good movie. I waited to formulate my own opinion where there were no Facebook statuses in my face because, one, I'm not a follower. And for the most part, I see people ruin certain things. And also, I wanted to also forget the spoiler post that people were making. Oh, well, this is what happens. Spoiler, this is what happens. Like, y'all suck. Because everybody has those friends on your timeline that will ruin the hell out of a damn movie. So I had to wait for those posts to kind of, you know, leave my mind. And I just watched it for the first time the other, um, the other day. So. Damn, I, I, I mean, I have friends from all walks of life who saw it. They brought their kids to see it, and then they, they, they loved it, you know. Yeah. They talk, I mean, talk about Black Panther, you know. I mean, it, it was a very well-made movie. I mean, there's always going to be. I mean, you have a superhero movie, there's, or or a science fiction movie like Bird Box. It's always going to be um, plot holes, things that aren't easily explained. But you figure it's superhero yeah. movies, who gives a shit? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or a science fiction exactly. movie, so who cares? I mean, there are certain things where it's like, uh, like with Bird Box, I couldn't find anything that was just like, okay, well, this was stupid. You know. Or or like or how, uh, how did this happen? But I, I will say this: being is that um, Mercedes, that you may still want to go see it. I'm going to try and give a spoiler-free review of it. But basically, I thought it was very well acted. I thought it was very well casted. I mean, John Malkovich was in it. Um, what's the name of the dude from uh, Uncle Drew? Little Rail, Little Rail. I forget his last name. Was that was casted who? Um, he was, um, Lil Rel was the guy from the, the, was a supermarket guy. Oh, Lil Rel. Yeah, the guy who worked at the supermarket. Yeah, that's Lil Rel. Yeah. He has a last name, well, professional last name, I always forget it, but I just, I just don't, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, I just know him as Lil Rel. Yeah. But he, he was really good in it, too, like, everybody, like, it was, I, I thought it was just very well acted. Like, everybody was really good in it, unlike Aquaman, where it's like the main star was just, yeah. I'll talk about Aquaman in a second. But I, I looked at it as, you know, when they talk about, um, not eminent domain, that, that's public domain, you know. Eventually, well, until Disney screwed it all up, everything would eventually fall in the public domain and it would be like fair use. And people would just take stuff from public domain and then uh, put their own spin on it which is how you just make things better, you know. And watching it, I mean, this, this is just strictly my opinion about the movie and basically uh, certain plot points that were ripped from other movies or at least used from other movies, like Night of the Living Dead. The plot point I thought that was taken from that was that we don't know why this happened in the first place. So it's not like, oh, there was a chemical spill or, oh, there was a ritual that happened and went out of control. No one knows why this apocalypse happened. It was just on the news, and then it happened, you know? And everything doesn't always have to be explained to us to make it relevant, I don't think, you know? Because I know there are some people who are like, well, why did it happen? Who cares? It ha if it happened now, if that thing happened now, would you care how it happened? Or would you just worry we about trying to survive? Yeah. We still probably wouldn't know. We would still be asking the same questions. What's going on? Why did it happen? Uh, we would, we nobody would ask, knows. We would ask, but yeah, exactly. No one knows, though. 
Nobody would know. Yep. This one is a real reach, but they are the Triffids, and it's about the whole thing about them being blindfolded. You know, this is a really this is a real reach. They are the Triffids. Oh, I saw yeah, the reach. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. I was saying it, this. This. Uh, what I'm about to say is is a, is a real stretch. It's a reach on this. But Day of the Triffids was a horror movie that came out back in like in the the mid '60s. I saw it as a kid, and um, it was about a meet a meteor shower, right? And uh, when anybody who looked at the meteor shower was immediately blinded. And for people that survived, the meteors brought spores that made all these carnivorous plants that started going after people. So imagine being blind and then something is hunting you, trying to kill you. You know, maybe it's not maybe it's not that much of a reach in in as as I would think, but it reminded me of that. Like all like the part where they're going through the forest and they're blindfolded and something's after them, and it, it kind of reminded me of Day of the Triffids where these people who were blinded by the meteor shower are being hunted by carnivorous plants, you know. The suicide angle reminded me of The Happening, like a ten times better movie than The Happening. Like The Happening, did you ever see The Happening with uh, Terrible, that was an M. Night Shyamalan yeah. movie. Yes, with Mark Wahlberg and, and New Girl. <laughs> with, uh, that, was the, yeah. that was the last M. Night Shyamalan movie I Willingly saw. I feel like he did one more since that I didn't protest seeing. The, the, the lady in the water, probably. <laughs> no, I didn't see that one. Yeah, don't. It's terrible. The lady in the water. <laughs> don't don't see it. Oh God, that was horrible. And it had it had good actors in it too. What's his name was in it? Uh, Paul Giamatti was in it. You know. No, like- but, but but they they wasted his talent in that movie. Um. Someone does. He's awful. Uh, it, it, yeah. Uh, well, Sixth Sense and Unbreakable was good. And, and I apologize, Odie. I, I couldn't find my copy of Unbreakable. Did he do Split too? Yes. Do... Yes. Okay. That's the last movie I saw where I actually liked. And I remember thinking, like, I don't know, man. The Night And I watched it and I enjoyed Split. So I am going to have to watch Glass Unbreakable. Um, and Split, because I've never seen Unbreakable, but I want to see it and watch Split again to make it make sense a little bit more. Keep in mind that Unbreakable runs, re- like the pacing is just mind-numbingly slow. It really is. Like, I'm mm. surprised, like, I'll put it like this. I bought Unbreakable just based on, I didn't get a chance to go see it in the movies, but I bought it based on, uh, six, how good Six Sense was, and also in the fact that at the time I was still getting a twenty-five percent discount at the record store, <laughs> so I so I took a chance on it, and it was good, but it was just the pacing was just really really slow and unbreakable. But you got Samuel L. Jackson in it, who brightens up any movie, just about any movie he's in. So thank God for Samuel L. Jackson, <laughs> the non-dairy creamer. Right. Of, of movies, like he'll just take your shitty cup of coffee and make it drinkable. <laughs> and then I, I mentioned Val Luton earlier, why I thought about his movies, because you never really saw a monster in the movie, right? No. And that's more like Val Luton's style back in the 40s was very, I don't know if it's because he didn't have a big budget or that was just his style, but he was very minimalist. You know, he worked more on suspense than just showing you monsters in rubber suits. But that's you know? not, I love a good, like, mystery or thriller. 
that's more my, my scene anyway. Like, he doesn't have to show you someone being torn apart. There was, um, I think it was Cat People. Either Cat People or The Leopard Man, one of the two. He loved cats. There was a scene where a girl is walking home from the supermarket, you know, walking home from the store. She had to be maybe like 13, 14, and she's being chased by uh, the, the big cat, the, the leopard man or whatever it was. And she's banging on the door to, for her mother to let her in, and the mother doesn't really know that there's any really danger out. She figures the door is being overly dramatic. And then you hear her scream on the other side of the door. So now they're trying to get to the door to get her, and then you just see blood just come in underneath the door. So it's still a powerful scene without actually seeing a cat tear apart a teenage girl, but it still makes it more powerful. Like that's, that was more his style. And that was kind of like the style in this because you never really saw the monsters, but they, but they still had a presence, you know. And one last thing, uh, Stephen King had a short story I read years ago called The Jaunt, and it was basically when they invented teleportation and which they eventually used it to colonize Mars. And one of the guys who helped build it was telling his kids the story of how it was built, that they were testing it on death row prisoners because it, they're death row prisoners. <laughs> they're like, all right, if you die in this experiment, we were going to kill you anyway. But basically... When you go through the jaunt, when you go through the teleportation device, you came out on the other side, everybody, their hair was white, and then they would just immediately go crazy and claw their eyes out. And, 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 and one guy finally said the words that tied it all together when he stepped through before he died, because he came through and then he just died, and he was just like, it's eternity in there. And what they were finding out was even though your body goes through in a second, your mind took a million years to go through. So you can only occupy your own mind for so long before you go insane. So the, the way to beat the jaunt was they have to go through while they were asleep. So if you go through while you're asleep, it's no problem. And they eventually used it to colonize Mars. Now, the Stephen King twist of the story is that he was telling his kids that. And when they were going to Mars, uh, the kid held his breath while they gave him the gas because he wanted to see what it was like. And then, uh, the, of course, the kid goes through without the uh, awake, and he goes crazy and claws, and claws his own eyes out at the end, you know? And that part about it was the part of wanting to see, you know? They were always want, they wanted, you know, everybody who was affected by the creatures, they wanted everybody else to see what it was like. <laughs> to the point where they were, like, literally forcing people's eyes open to make them see. You know, but, and, and like I said, none of this is official. This is just what I got from it. Just my opinion. I thought it was a great movie, you know, but then again, what spoils great movies? The Root. God, I hate The Root. I was, I, I was, I was, stretch. I would say it held my attention. It was entertaining. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great either. I don't know if it was worth breaking all those records though. I mean, it broke a lot of, of records. But well, it was yes. but the shit out of it. But I think yeah. it's I think it's funny. One of my favorite memes to generate was the one that said Netflix trying to figure out <laughs> how billions of people and millions of people watch Bird Box and there's only like two subscriptions. <laughs> Say again? Just said like 
Netflix was over there trying to figure out how they had billions, millions of views of the movie, but only like 10 subscriptions. Oh, yeah, I did see that. <laughs> Everybody's sharing subscriptions. Uh, <laughs> I poor Netflix. This night, and I got the error message uh, that too many people were using the account, so I mm. couldn't watch it. And I ended up watching it Thursday night just from home on a random night. I figured nobody else would be using the account. I actually finished watching it this morning. I started to fall, well, not because the movie was boring, but because, uh, you know, I started watching it late and I started to fall asleep. I was like, you know what, I'll finish watching it this morning before we have the show today, you know. Now, um, Mercedes, you said that you hadn't watched Aquaman yet, right? No, I have not seen it yet. Okay. I have not watched it yet. I'm, I'm going to be honest. And, and, Odie, have you watched it? No, I don't have an intention to watch it, though, as much as I think Jason Momoa is fine, but, no, I have no desire to watch. To be honest, the movie did look, I wasn't, like, when I saw the trailer, the, I think the last trailer that came out wasn't too bad. And I was like, okay, like, the fight sequences, some of the effects look pretty cool, but I'm just not that Aquaman. Yeah, never been an Aquaman fan myself. Yeah. I, I, I'll put it like this, right? Um, now, I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, what's that actor's name that I hate? I know that that's a... a uh, <laughs> I know that's just kind of like oh, okay, could could be anybody, no me, no me, no me and my salty self. But um, God, he was in a uh, Magic Mike, not McConaughey, the one who acted opposite to him. Channing. Who? Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum, that's his name. I put in. Oh Jay- my God, why do you hate Channing? Because I think Channing Tatum has the personality of a boiled pumpkin. Like I like he's. I, I just see him on there. He's just like, just some. He's just some muscly dude that women like. And I like like Channing Tatum when he got on lip sync and then Beyonce and Beyonce actually came out. <laughs> like that's when I was like, if if my queen co-signs you, you cannot be a terrible person. <laughs> Period. I think Mercury is the only person that doesn't like Channing Tatum. I love him. I, I I mean, I mean not personally. I never met the man. I'm just saying, like when I see Chantana movies, I'm just, I'm just immediately just like, uh, you know, he's basically like the, uh, to me the female, the, well the male version of uh, God, what is her name? She she played an Invisible Woman on Fantastic Four. Uh, uh, she she played she played in that movie, Honey. Jessica Alba, why am I drawing blanks today? Any other time, any other time, I would have just known her name. Like, like pleasing to look at, but terrible at their job. She's not a good actor at all. Yeah, she she's a terrible actress, and I'm not. Like I said, it's not about people. You know, people when I tell women that that I don't like Chantel, like you're just jealous because you don't have muscles like him. And the first, first of all, ouch. But second of all, um, it's <laughs> second of all, it's just uh, I think it's just because everybody goes bananas for him, and I'm just like, yeah, he's not really all that. And I'm looking at it from an acting standpoint, you know. I'm a big fan of people like Denzel Washington. I'm a huge Denzel Washington fan. I'm a huge Samuel L. Jackson fan, you know. 
Even that guy who played in Bird Box, the one who played um, Sandra Bullock's love interest, I liked that guy. You know, I thought I, I thought he did a great job in that movie, and and and, and he might have been in other things that I didn't notice him in. At first, for a second there, I had to kind of adjust my eyes. I thought he was a dude from who plays in Black Lightning. And I'm like, no, no, he's much younger than that guy. You know, he actually kind of reminds me, when I looked at him, I saw a combination of Wood Harris and, like, like a little bit of Mahershala Ali and somebody else. He just looks like a combination, but all definitely a good combination to some fun-ass black men. Yeah, but there are just certain actors who I just don't like, like Cuba Gooding Jr. I just don't like him. Um, Terrence Howard, I can't stand him. <laughs> I don't know what about him though. And Terrence Howard is not a bad actor. He's not a bad. I just don't. I just don't like him. But he's not a bad actor. It's not like Channing Tatum. You know, he's not a bad actor at all. I just don't. I just don't like him. But um. I, I I I saw an article that came in my feed from The Root, and they basically used uh, Bird Box as an allegory for racism. So they basically, the movie, like you know, like you can't look at the monsters. So they were looking at it as white people not wanting to, to see racism. And I'm just like, that's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. And this dude wrote a whole, and it's the writer from The Root that I hate so much. Oh, God, I, I, I overwrote the article. His name is not important. Just know that, it, that I think he's a hack. You know, I, I've seen his work before. You know, if I see an article from other black publications, like News One, I get articles from them, right? They treat you like an adult, and they just tell you, hey, this is what happened. And let you form your own opinion on it, you know. They may throw a little stabs here and there, you know, to kind of steer you in the direction that they want you to. But it's not as blatant as the root, you know. I don't even consider them, the, I, like, who's taking these people seriously at the root? And, of course, you know, all the people were co-signing. And they were like, well, I didn't see it before, but since you said it, now I see it. I'm like, you fucking sheeple. Jesus Christ. Because the movie just doesn't really have... And here's the thing, um, you know, Sandra Bullock's love interest in the movie, you know, toward the end is a black guy. In the article, they referred to him as Uncle Tom. Why? Why was he an Uncle Tom? What the hell did he do? <laughs> like, because he, because he, he was in a relationship because he, he was in a relationship with Sandra Bullock. Yeah, but what did he do to the black community for them to feel that way? Well, I'm not going to say black community. I'm just going to say the idiots that said it. But yeah, I mean, it's not like there was a black community in the movie. I mean, it's, it's a movie about the apocalypse, so there was really not a black community to event. <laughs> Nobody if else. If the apocalypse yeah. ever happens, it's going to include everybody. So Pretty much. Oh, my God. You know. And it's Sandra Bullock. She's still cute after all these years. She's like 54. Well, these movies is... I mean, I know, it just seems like they always have time to, like, have sex or whatever, but, bruh, like, I don't know. If if I, I'm not trying to, like, it just seems like people always trying to have babies in the middle of these movies or, like, <laughs> babies. I'm like, 
Well, I mean, just just put it like this. In, in, in their defense, in the movie, uh, they were already pregnant when it happened. So it wasn't like they got pregnant, you know. I'm it, like, why are you so fucking... Like, you yeah, no, 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 no. They, they, they were, they were, the women who were pregnant in the movie were already pregnant when the apocalypse started. They were already I'm like... Maybe people, really? like, exude their fear different. Maybe she was horny. I don't know. Maybe it made her horny. Who knows? Put it like that. I would have been too, but I, I'm not trying to like risk fucking around and getting pregnant. And now we got another, you know what I mean? Like another mouth to feed. Like, oh, I, I, I see what you're saying. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking about. I'm not trying to actually get some during the apocalypse because if we fuck around and have a, another baby out here, and that's what happened in a quiet place. The old girl got pregnant. Oh, like on The Walking Dead. Yeah, I'm like, yo, what the fuck? You shouldn't have been fucking. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, um, unless y'all like on those and stuff and like you know making sure that you don't put another kid in this mess, you ain't got no business talking. Sit down. Put it put it like this. The root article was saying like all this dumb cliched stuff like oh like like, like white people are always falling down in horror movies. Yes, because she has to go through the forest and she's blindfolded. You jackass. How will she not fall down? If you have to go through the forest blindfolded because you can't look at the monsters or you'll die, like it was just it was just the the, the dumbest article I'd ever read. I'm definitely over like the trolls of the, and the internet trolls. You just see like people say things for a reaction and that's it. Like they don't really say things. They're not trying to say things that make sense anymore. They're saying shit for like they're saying things to make people cackle, to make people say, "Oh, bitch, I'm dead." Like I want to leave all of that shit in 2018. Yeah. I want to see more activity in the comments on my timeline. Like I don't, I don't fuck with Wendy Williams like that anymore. But I noticed, oh, there was a, there was dude like she was really gonna have to file for divorce because dude was about to have an, another baby on her or some shit, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, yeah, but like I don't fuck with Wendy Williams, but like I also don't want bad things to happen to her. You know what I mean? Like right. she's still a, like a person at the end of the day. She didn't deserve that. Uh, you know. Uh, Wendy's a kind of a bitch, though. Wendy the other day made a smart comment to Nick Cannon, and look what happened. What happened to her? You could be a bitch. Like I don't, I don't fuck with Wendy Williams. I'm not defending like some of the things that her does, but I'm to say like that's why man cheated on you is dumb as hell. Like nobody deserves that. And I think where she's not transparent, where I think she should be transparent. We'll probably view her different, like her PR person. She should get, her, get in front of that, um, you know, because then you can control the narrative. Right. But that's that's how I look True. at it. But um, I don't think that she deserves to, you know, to be cheated on or disrespected or, you know, her husband to do those things. But no, I don't think she deserves it either. But but the way she talks about other people, I think she should address her issues to the public in the same way. Right. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't do people like that. Because she sat on her stage just a few days ago and called Nick Cannon's most recent baby a oops baby. When your husband is having an on purpose baby out there in the streets with his side chick, don't do that, Wendy. That's what I I had missed that clip. Saw something where she said something wild to Nick Cannon, um, but I didn't know she said that. 
And that's why Nick yeah. Cannon responded, like, talking about how smart his baby was. That's why he responded the way. I saw the reaction. I never saw what she said. Got it. Yeah, okay. she called it an oops baby. Yeah. I'm like, hold on. Well, you about to have a on-purpose, um, basically, stepchild. So get ready because they're not divorced yet. And then on top of that, rumor has it, whether well, that the girl was pregnant before, that there's another baby. The baby just has never been seen in public. That man been out there on purpose having sex with that girl, been having babies with her. Hmm. That's fine as hell. That's insane. That's and then um, supposedly he bought her a car. She has this big ring. They're seen out eating and all this other kind of stuff. She runs from the paparazzi. He's doing the most. And to be honest with you, it is a bad look. It's making Wendy look bad. She needs to leave that situation alone. But when it was addressed to her like about six, seven months ago, her answer on her own stage was she just flashed her wedding ring. Girl, that big old diamond don't mean nothing when a side chick when one just is big. Right. She won't address it. Yeah. Agreed. Like I said, she should be transparent, but whether she chooses to do that or not in order to, you know, spin the situation, like I said, to see people like shit, like that's what you get, girl, like I'm not for that, like you don't have to say those things, like, especially when none of this should affect me at the end of the day anyway. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That, that's, a, that's a reaction I would expect is directly impacted, harmed, or hurt from the actions of these people. It don't affect you. What the fuck you mean? Because that, that means we all deserve something. Like, whenever something bad happens to any one of us, that's what we all deserve. Fuck out of here. Like, no. Exactly. I, I will say one thing though, kind of going, kind of going back here. We were, we talked a little bit about uh, Aquaman. If you were planning on seeing it, go see it. It's not a bad movie. Like I, I saw it and I'm like, you know what? I mean, once again, like when me and Jason Momoa, I'm only time I ever liked Jason Momoa is when he didn't really talk. Like when he was in um, Game of Thrones, he was Cal Droga, I think his character's name was. He was alright as Cal Droga, and then when I started seeing him doing like other movies, I was just like, yeah. But he wasn't bad in Aquaman. I think it wasn't his lines. It was just what was written for him, which is terrible. Like, all, like none of his little jokes landed, you know, stuff like that. But other than that, the movie was pretty good. Willem Dafoe guest starred in it. He was pretty good in it because he's Willem Dafoe, you know. And the guy who, I don't remember his name, the guy who played Manta in that movie, he was also pretty good. I'd never heard of him before, you know. But, I mean, if... Anything, anything bad I'd have to say about Aquaman is nitpicking. It's just me wanting to find something bad. Like, I would say, like, will I, will I ever watch Aquaman again? No, probably not. But then again, will I ever watch Ant-Man and the Wasp again? No. <laughs> so it's not, so me saying that is not saying that it's a bad movie. Because I enjoyed Ant-Man and the Wasp. But I'm not going to watch it again. I can tell you right now, Infinity War is on Netflix. I'll be watching that in about half an hour. <laughs> I just saw it. Um, when I finished watching Bird Box, I saw, oh, Infinity War is on uh, Netflix. That I will be watching at least six more times. So it's not a watch multiple times movie, but it's a, it was a good movie. You know? Wait, do, they, um, do they have, like, all the rest of them, though? When you, when, oh, oh, you mean, like, uh, no, no, it's just Aquaman. <laughs> Because I still haven't seen Infinity War because I wanted to see all the other movies leading up to it. 
Yeah. And for some reason, I don't think the DC movies are on, like, Netflix. Could just go back and binge watch. We'd probably have to rent them, which, eh. But put it like this. If you've never seen Batman vs. Superman or Justice League, it's not going to take anything away from the movie at all. Like, if you've never seen them, it doesn't matter. So even though it takes place after Batman vs. Superman, I'm sorry, after Justice League, nothing that came up in Justice League comes up in this movie. So if you wanted to go see it, you don't have to go back and watch the other movies. You could just go ahead and watch this one. But like I said, it was, it was entertaining. It was pretty good, you know. The fight scenes were actually really good, you know. So it's, it was enjoyable, you know. I'll give it that. I almost felt bad for bootlegging it. Because <laughs> after Justice League, I'm like, yo, I'm not paying for no more DC movies. Because Justice League, I'm not going to go into how bad Justice League was. I'll just say that between, uh, like, if they keep making movies like Aquaman, I may actually have to go back and watch DC movies in the theater again. I'll just say that. And I don't think it was so much uh, for uh, Jason Momoa. I don't think it was so much of him as an actor, but what was written for him. Like, some of his dialogue was just stupid. But I don't think that was his fault. I mean, it's not like he was a, a, a co-writer in the movie. You know. So if you plan on going to see it, you know, don't let the, don't let the Marvel fanboys dissuade you. Go and see it. It was, it was kind of, it was kind of, it was enjoyable, you know. And, uh, and it, it, I mean, and if you have kids, you can take your kids to go see it too. Like if you like if you took your kids to go see Avengers, you could definitely take them to go see. Uh, I mean, there's some violence in it, but it's not bloody. You know, it's definitely violence that that kids could handle. Although some of the fights do get kind of intense. So, I I will say one more thing before we uh, before we wrap it up. You know, I, I mentioned about me hating the root because. Uh, they make up racism. You know, when people talk about race baiting, like race baiting is not pointing out racism. Race baiting is basically making up racism where there isn't any. Usually to try and distract from a, from a point that you couldn't defend. <laughs> you know, with the root, they were just making it up just to, just to get clicks. You know, when there's so much real racism out there. But I will say one thing, Okay. What the guy from The Root was saying is actually true. There are people who just deny racism, just, just that that movie is not part of that. So, for instance, a friend of mine posted an article about a woman in uh, the West Indies, right? Uh, well, no, U.S. Virgin Islands. I keep forgetting the two different things. And um, I'll, I'll say this. There is a, a, a theorem called the infinite monkey theorem, right? That if you gave, some people have a different way of putting it, but if you gave a thousand monkeys, a thousand typewriters, right, and let them just keep mashing keys at random, if you gave them an infinite, num, uh, infinite amount of time doing that, they will produce Shakespeare, you know? It's just, that's just a theory, though. That, of course, we don't have an infinite amount of time to prove that theory, but that's the theory. 
the, the, the American racist theory is if you gave a thousand racists a thousand camera phones, there will be a thousand job openings in a week. Because, as I said before, racism doesn't sell. So if you're an open racist, you're probably, and you're on YouTube being a racist, you're going to get fired. So a woman was in, on vacation in, in the Virgin Islands. They didn't say which one. But I know U.S. Virgin Islands includes, uh, what was it, St. Croix? I want to say St. Thomas. Don't quote me on the St. Thomas one. Definitely St. Croix. And I think there's another one, right? Uh, there's definitely a, a more than one. Like, it's, I mean, it's quite a few. I don't know the number, like the total number, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That is St. St. Thomas, St. Croix. Um, yeah, that, that mix. So a woman, and, and, and I want you guys to be, to forgive me here, because I'm not going to censor this part. I'm going to say exactly what this woman said. She was on a drunken tirade in the Virgin Islands, and uh, this is what she said in the recording. She says, I don't like, and this is from the article, I don't like niggers, she said. President Trump, woo, Obama, fuck you, you motherfucking nigger. Are you recording it? Put it on Facebook. Fuck these motherfucking niggers. I hate them. That's what she said in the video. Okay? So now they, they, the video has got, I mean, as of a couple of days ago when I saw this, the video had 200,000 views, and they're asking to find out who this woman is. So, of course, they can run to her boss and get her fired. I have no issues with that. But this was posted on my friend's Facebook page, right? So this is what one of his friends wrote, okay? And I, I shit you not, she said this. She said, the thing that is sad is before smartphones, everyone said things, but all lived together because no one saw it. It's technology that is tearing us apart. And, of course, me being me and not being able to let that dumb shit go, I responded. And I said, and I said, I, I, I said no, it's racism that is tearing us apart. The technology just brings it to the surface. I would rather know who the racists are and avoid them than have them pretend to care and then talk shit about me when my back is turned. But in her mind, it's just better if we just don't talk about it. Like, we could be racist and say racist things, but we could all be friends, right? Here's my thing. If you told a racist joke, if you're white and you told a racist joke, right, to me it doesn't make you a racist. It just means you just have poor taste. (laughs) <laughs> and if I told you I've never told a racist joke in my life, that would be a flat-out lie. Talk about when I, was, when I was in high school, in junior high school, of course. I wouldn't tell racist jokes now because, you know, I'm an adult. But even if you were an adult and you told racist jokes, although I would say in the last 20 years I've never heard an adult tell a racist joke unless they were on stage getting paid for it. You understand? I've never seen people in the office, I'm going to talk about like where I work, telling racist jokes around the water cooler. No one does that shit anymore because we're not kids, you know. But in her mind, it's not the fact that people are racist. It's the fact that technology is putting out to the forefront, and that's the problem. The best way to deal with racism for these people is to not talk about it. Pretend it doesn't exist, you know. So the writer from The Root was right. There are people who would rather have that blindfold on rather than see what's in front of them, but please don't put it in that movie because that was a good movie. And the movie, and, and the movie had nothing to do with racism. It had to do with uh, 
with otherworldly forces that want to make you kill yourself or turn the psychopaths and kill other people. That's all. That's all. But do you guys know people like that who, not, I mean, they don't have, even have to be friends or friends of friends or anything like that, but do you know people who would just rather ignore racism than just talk about it? Yeah, because I teach my kids that the world has no color and blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, you teaching your kids that is a service to anybody. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I always, when people talk about, uh, I agree with that when they say, like, when people say, I don't see color. Like, Tommy Lawrence says stuff like that, you know. And Trevor Noah called her on it, and Trevor Noah was like, when, he, when she said, I don't see color, and Trevor Noah was like, well, how do you drive? Like, how, what do you do when you come to a stoplight if you don't see color? And I know what he meant, but it's just a stupid statement for her to make. Of course people have color, you know. But it's just how we deal with it. That's, that's the real issue, you know. It's not about, uh, like you mentioned about the kids playing together, Right. If you put a bunch of kids together of just different races and different ethnicities and, you know, different religions, they'll all play together. It would only be if somebody told them, don't play with that kid because he's wearing a turban or don't play with that kid because he's Mexican. That's a different matter altogether. But if you put, if you put kids together, they'll play together. They don't, they don't care. You know? I see all my friends who post pictures of their kids playing with other kids. It's all kids of all different colors. Because they're not going to tell their kids, oh, don't play with those white kids. Because they're the devil. They don't do that. They're kids. Louis C.K. talked about his daughter's friends. He said, you know, my, you know my daughter's criteria for picking her friends? They're all the same size. That's the criteria for her picking her friends. <laughs> they're the same basic size. That's it. You know? So, but anyway, Odie, what are, you, what, are you, what are your final thoughts for the year? What are your final thoughts for 2018? Be more compassionate, yo. Be more compassionate. That's it. That's all I got. Because I feel like once you get that knocked out the way and you really just try to put yourself in the other person's shoes, that'll solve a lot of the push we're seeing, period. Yeah. And, and and you know what? I will I, I will be not lazy, but inspired by what you said. And, and I think that uh, I I basically think that people just need to be more empathic, and they just need to see things from other people's perspectives without it having without having it happen to them. That's the key thing, because there are some people who are empathic because they have the ability to look at things from uh, other people's perspective, right? And then there were also some people who gained empathy because they had something happen to them, and they're like, wow, this is what it feels like to have this happen to me. You know, I don't want it to happen to other people now only because it's happened to me. You know? It is perfectly okay for a celebrity to start a, uh, a drive or something like that, you know, because something happened to their to them or to their kids. Like, I didn't know about autism until there was a quarterback named Doug Flutie. He used to be in the uh, American Football League, and then he went to the NFL. And his kid had autism. So he started a, a drive to study more about autism. And at that time, I had no clue what autism was. 
you know. So sometimes it's good to spread awareness. Because so people were just like, well, he's only doing it because his kid has it. And it was like, yeah, because that's how he knew it existed. <laughs> because his kid has it, you know. Why do you think, you know, it's people are quick to to judge and stuff like that. But, I mean, if you're, you know, we need a little bit more compassion out there. Not just from the Trump fans who are just devoid of all compassion, but sometimes we liberals could be dickholes too. You know, we see a Trump fan who voted for Trump and then lost everything. And we're just not like, oh, that sucks. Sometimes we're just like, hey, fuck that guy because you voted for Trump, you know. But sometimes, sometimes we could just scale it back a little bit, you know. They're suffering enough. They don't need jackasses like me dumping on them when they're at their lowest point. And maybe if we just let it go on its own, maybe they'll earn that compassion that we so desperately want them to have. So 2019 is going to be an interesting year. I'm not going to come out and say it's going to be a great year. I'm not going to come out and say it's going to be a bad year. It's just going to be an interesting year based on how 2018 is ending. Okay. So now we got all of 2019, but I figure I agree with the audience 100%. If we go into it with a little bit of compassion, maybe when we're doing this at the end of, the, at the end of 2019, maybe we'll have a lot more positive things to say. Maybe we, maybe we won't have to say anything like, oh, the ups and downs. We'll just talk about the ups. But it takes all of us working together to make that happen. So whether you are going to a New Year's party to uh, shake your ass for the end of 2018, or if you're going to be an old fogey like me and be asleep by 10 o'clock on New Year's Eve. <laughs> Either which way, everybody have a, a safe and wonderful New Year. Okay. And, um, if you, and um, don't forget, you can get us wherever you can get uh, podcasts, like Apple and uh, Spotify. Also, and, well... It's iHeartRadio, so no one listens to that. Yeah, I know that never gets old, me cracking on iHeartRadio. So everyone, have a safe and happy new year. Bye.